3: Hey, VEASAN pros, if you want a pick for tonight, kicking off week seven with, of course, New Orleans at Arizona. I was just reading through. Uh, we've got a bunch, of, a bunch of great picks over at VEASAN.com for VEASAN pros, not just on the side in total, but also props. So make sure you check that out as we welcome you back Lombardi Line. Hope you're having a nice Thursday. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. This is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Michael, let's just pick up a conversation you and I were having during the break because I do think this could play into the betting moving forward for some of these teams. I'm sure you saw it. You were talking about it during the break. Apparently, the Packers are all in on Chase Claypool. They need a wide receiver, and the Mm -hmm. rumors are the Packers are going to go hard for the Steelers' wide receiver and Chase Claypool. What are you hearing?
4: Well, I mean, I hear Claypool's available, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in his services. You know, And you say, why would the Steelers want to trade him? I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but obviously there's an issue. They paid – Deontay Johnson, they probably to say they're not going to play they're not going to pay Claypool. His contract's not up until after next season. So, you know, will they if he comes in and signs the tender and he goes out there in the market, they get a third round pick. Somebody offers him maybe a second this year, they take it. You know, this is the perfect time to do it if you want to do it. And I think the I think the Steelers need to collect assets. So yeah, it makes sense that that they would be available. I think Claypool's a good player. He can play in the slot, he can play outside. You know, he makes plays. He's got good hands. I don't know what's going on off the field, but he would certainly be an upgrade to the Packers at their receiving core. You know, I think there's there's going to be some movement, but it's got to be the right movement for teams because, you know, Green Bay, if, if this is Rodgers' last season, and i got to think the way his body language is and the way he feels, like he could quit at any moment. Now, I don't know what the language is in Rodgers' contract extension that he signed. And this is something that's really important. If he signed a contract where he has to pay back bonus money that he received if he retires, then he may not retire. But if, say, he didn't, and I don't know the answer to that question, then he doesn't have. Then he could retire and take all his money, which is what I think they probably did. That's my instinct. I'm not sure, but that's my instinct. So if that's the case, if you're Brian Gutekus, the, the general manager, you, you almost have to go all in as you're at the end here now, because how many more second round picks are you going to use to build around they don't really work right? Rogers is here his play is here and every time you bring in young players the gap between what Rogers can do and a young player gets wider. We're seeing it this year. and you have a coach who doesn't diversify his portfolio so he's running the same thing. so it's you're, you're betwixt in between if you' if you're if you're Guttekust. so you've got to do something now. You got to do something now, and you're going to overpay for it. You understand it because you're in this marketplace, but you got to salvage
3: your season. It's also Rogers who has that kind of gravitas, so he can say what he wants. But it's also those comments that he made to McAfee, where he said, "You know, the offense needs to be simplified." He's also everything's very purposeful from him. Right? He knows what he's doing. He's letting Gudenkiss. And he's letting Lafleur know, go out and get me another weapon, because he also said he hasn't clicked with the wide receivers quite yet. He's saying I need weapons here. That's Rodgers through yeah. the media trying to orchestrate this.
4: Well, I think anybody who watches Packers game, including Big Daddy, knows he needs somebody. He needs help. He, you know, think about where they once were when he was there, when they had, you know, all Antonio Friedman. They had, you know, all these great receivers around them. The tight, Michael Finley, the tight. Remember when they, when they had all that going? Now they've got two really good running backs that they can't utilize all the time. You know, I thought they would take Aaron Jones and play him more in the slot and have Dylan and kind of intertwine those. Obviously, they haven't done that. But to me, you know, they have really, really kind of the skill level of this football team has gone down. And when they let Adams go, I think if when you let Adams go, you can't really sit there and say, well, we could just keep doing the same thing we've done. Like, that doesn't work.
3: Okay, I promise we'll get to the Giants. We will in a second, but I just want to follow up to see if any of these difference makers end up on another team. You know, what I have to ask you about. I, I don't expect inside information, but there are reports the Panthers are looking potentially at trade offers for Shaq Thompson, the linebacker. We've heard the McCaffrey rumors. I don't know if you want to throw DJ Moore in the mix. I mean, we are no, you stand right DJ now? They just signed DJ Moore.
4: I mean, I think there's a group of players that I'm sure you can't touch on on the Panthers. And I'm sure if somebody comes to them with an unbelievable offer from McCaffrey, they might do it. But to me, the reason I say they can't do it is because who's going to come in with an unbelievable? If Buffalo says, we'll give you our first round pick and you're Scott Federer, the general manager of the Panthers. Wait a minute. That's the the Buffalo's picks going to be somewhere between 28 and 32. Why would I do that? I'm getting I'm not getting qual, I'm not getting you know people here they're going to give us a first round pick well the first round pick has a name to it like who is the name like what am I getting at the bottom of the first that could replace what this guy does for my team today tomorrow and the next day so I think that's a hard one to I think that's a he's hard to trade now if a team like Houston wants to give you a first round pick and you know they're going to be picking at the top 5 or the top 10 now that's something we got to do but who's, why would Houston do that, right? Why would they do that? So I, I think, to me, a lot of that is just predicated on who's available. And, you know, maybe some veteran comes to them. Like Shaq Thompson says, look, I want to go somewhere and win. We haven't won here. and I've been here five years. We haven't won. I need to get somewhere. I mean – they have the Chenault kid who they traded for, who they think re- is going to be a good player. They obviously want to get him going, so they traded. Robbie Anderson was on the, was on the trade list before the blow-up happened. To me, I, I think, why would they trade Burns or Brown? Those are the guys you got to build a
3: team around bond just texted good lord do not trade at first for chris mccaffrey i would agree i wouldn't trade anything for mccaffrey and it has nothing to do with his skill he's never going to stay healthy and running backs start to break down when they get to 28 of course 29-ish. they do
4: of course they do of course they do but i think what you have to but why would why would you do that like why would a team do that like i think to me we make all these trades and they and they and they're good for they're good for business and and they look like you know they make sense but the reality of it is is It doesn't make sense for the team when you look at it. It's not baseball. You're not giving up two minor leaguers
3: to win the pennant today. Contenders, pretenders. I've teased it enough. Let's do it. Okay. So, look. You have a relationship with Dayball. You know him well. I don't think it's surprise. It's like we were talking about Hackett earlier. Michael Lombardi... He whenever I hear him speak, he seems like a really nice person. He's miscast yeah. as a head head coach. Some like just remove him from that title and I'm sure he'd be fine with it. He seems completely underwater as the leader of the Broncos. The difference would be Dayball. It, he feel he seems comfortable in his skin. There's a there's a lot to like about his vibes, and he's got a team sitting five and one, contender or pretender. Well, I mean, look, the one thing about the one thing about the
4: the, the, what separates the two teams, to me, what what is the one thing that separates them is Brian has done a better job of understanding what the job is and what it isn't. And Brian has managed the game much clearer and has done a really good job of doing it. And so because of that, his team has played better. But that doesn't make his team better than Denver. Like talent level, there's a difference between the two teams. And I think Denver has struggled because Hackett isn't really ready to be a head coach yet. I don't know anybody else on that staff that's really kind of carried it. You know, most of the time when you become a a young head coach like Brian Daybold, even though he's not young, you got Martindale who's been a coordinator for a long, long time. That's not the case in Denver, right? That's not the case. Hackett's running the offense, and he's also a head coach, and he's inexperienced at the one job. So, you know, I do think that Brian has done a really good job. He's not calling plays. He's managing the game at 10,000 feet which is what he has to do, which is the most important thing
3: he can do. I love the fact that he's not calling plays because what it says to me, because Hackett's calling plays and Hackett's overwhelmed. Dayball, who's a tremendous play caller, what it says to you is he eschewed his ego for the good of the team, right? He brought in that kid, that Kafka, who's apparently the heir apparent to everybody as far as an offensive mind. And Dayball said, no, I need to focus, right? That, that There's something to be said about not needing the ego of calling those plays.
4: Right, and 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 it takes you away. Like the job is overwhelming for Nathaniel. Like you're not this an elite play caller that somebody else can't do it. And besides, you can call the plays during the week. You can call them during the week. Here's what I want. You're on the headset. I mean, if I've heard Belichick on a headset say to Josh, "Stick a run in there," a thousand Mm -hmm. times. Like he didn't call the run, but he said, "Stick a run in there." You know, he wants to run the ball because he understands the situation. Like, that's what I'm looking for for a head coach. I mean, this whole notion that we have this guy who's – like, he's designing these – the play sheet, the reason he's looking at the play sheet is because that stuff gets put up on a board, and these are the five things we want to run when we're in this situation, right? It isn't like he's just looking around for something to call. They've already scripted it based on those play sheets are done by situation. So why not let somebody take a step back and you watch the game and say, hey – you know, why don't we run this? And next time we get the ball, I think we should get to this. You're seeing the game better.
3: Building something good may not necessarily be a contender at 5-1 and one with the Giants, but let the fans believe they're at 2-4 and four Jacksonville this weekend. Have you looked at the number? If not, take a stab at it.
4: Oh, I have looked at the number. I know it's 3 because I put it in my notes. Right. And I, I was surprised that it's, you know, that I thought, you know, Everybody, I'm sure, is waiting for the hook, and I'm sure everybody's betting on the Giants because they can't believe that a 5-1 and team is a dog. But when you really study the two teams, you know, the Giants are not as talented as Jacksonville. They're playing better than Jacksonville. There's no denying that. But Jacksonville has played two games at home this year. One, they just turned it over, and they refused to run the ball against the Houston Texans who played cover two against them and said dared them to run, and they didn't do it. They wanted to run all their trickery and went for it on fourth down, turned the ball over in the red zone. The other game against the Colts, they dominated and won the game. Indianapolis's defense over the last couple weeks has not played. I'm, excuse me, Jacksonville's defense has not played well over the last couple of weeks. No. They're going to have to stop the run. They got to win the game up front and and force the Giants to kind of play outside of their comfort zone. Which give them credit, they have done a great job of not doing. They have stayed true to their team, even though when they get behind in a game, you know they're down 17 to three to the Packers, they they didn't blink.
3: If you're waiting for the hook with Jacksonville Lane Three hosting the Five and One Giants, even the books that shade to the favorites, it's 110. So it looks it like that coming. number,
2: it ain't coming. coming. So
3: remember, the, go get the betting splits. When you become a VSN Pro, look at the juice. When it's sitting 110 everywhere, that number's not going anywhere. We're back with Samich a
1: first half play on Thursday Night Football.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, of course, the Lombardi Line is brought to you by BetMGM. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app. If you're in Vegas, stop by any MGM property, bring your state-issued ID, you're ready to bet within minutes. It's great. King of sportsbooks. Remember, they've got that first touchdown score prop tonight as well. It is 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue, 21 years or older. BetMGM.com. Okay, we're back. Got a loaded 45 minutes here. Michael Lombardi there in Ocean City, New Jersey. It's a beautiful fall day. It's going to be a great fall weekend. Good weather essentially across the country. I'm Patrick Maher, live in Los Angeles. It's hot here. We head to Florida and bring in professional handicapper Mike Somich, racingdudes.com. He's got a first half play. Let's hold off on that tonight. Of course, you've got New Orleans at Arizona, two and a half on the number. Let's start with your pro tip. I think it's an interesting place to start. And Your pro tip today is handicapping the head official. Go ahead, Mike.
5: <laughs> yeah, true. I don't think people look into this enough, and it, it's not something where you know you always want to definitely go for it and say change your bets based on who's officiating a game. But there's a couple officials that when they team up with specific teams, I think it makes sense to look at it. Uh, Bill Vinovich is one of the ones that I look for. He specifically does not call a lot of defensive penalties, so he's been either last or second to last in defensive pass interference, defensive holding, and roughing the passer calls in 2021 and 2022. When you take that into account, and then you face, you have two teams, like the Jets and the Broncos, that are playing this week with Vinovich as the head official, they're tied for second in pass interference penalties. And what do all three of those penalties have in common? They give the offense automatic first downs. And so when you take away these automatic first downs, and you have officials that are not calling defensive penalties specifically, it leans toward the under. And that's what we've seen with with, uh, VinVinovich since 2016. He's 62% on the underside. Now, I, I don't play trends blindly. But when you have two teams like this, that it really favors not having defensive penalties called, I, I like to lean toward the under. So I already put in an under. Uh, the game opened at, uh, at 39 and a half, I believe, once it was announced or once people believed Wilson would not play. Right now, the first half, there's some 19 and a half unders out there that I'd still take. Uh, anything under 38 and a half, I'm still playing the under on this game.
4: How about John Hussey? Because I think John Hussey, to me, you know, he's one of those guys that when I see Hussey, I always go right to the home team. 64 51 for the home team 55%. You know, and, and I think you got to look at that and then I, I I agree with you. I think you got to try to stay away from guys like Sean Hockley that that lead the league in penalties called or my man Scott Novak who's convinced and I'm sure he is convinced that people are coming to watch him referee games. And so I'm always a little nervous. <laughs> I'm with you, Mike. I'm always a little nervous when I, you know, like when I'm seeing like we got Scott Novak I think on Monday Night Football. Yep, no, we have Brad out. Now, Brad Allen doesn't call anything. Brad Allen's pretty good. But Scott Novak, I think we have him on the Monday game. Yep, we do. We have Monday night. We have him Monday night. I thought he was on a national TV game. He's going to be just delighted to be out there. He'll be calling everything you can get your hands on. So be careful. And Miami had 10 penalties last week in the game. You know, it, and it's hard to handicap when they call things that there's no consistency within the calls.
5: Yeah, the, there's definitely more variance when you have more penalties because you don't know when those flags are going to come out and if they're going to be at key points in the games. I loved your comment around specifically looking for referees who seem to favor the home team. When you get those referees in prime time, that edge seems to be even more drastic. Uh, so I, yep. I, I I think you got to pay attention to who's refereeing games if you're trying to really find some profitable ways. Now, again, it's not something where every week you're going to find one game and you're going to specifically stay away from referees because of this or games because of this. But it definitely can aid your handicap when you're able to find things that line up well.
4: I I agree. And I think, like last week, Philly had Hussey. And and I liked Philly with Hussey in the game because it was a national TV game. They were going to let him play. And I don't think he was going to get in the way. And I liked Philly anyway. But to me, it was just the cherry on top to put it over the edge a little bit. And I think to me... You can't, like you just said, you can't just blindly say, well, Scott Novak's going to screw the, mess up the home team or favor the visiting team. He's got to call them on both sides. I like to stay away from a Novak game as much as possible, but, you know, I, I think that's just part of the handicap.
3: Yeah, betting is about tendencies and trends, and officials are human beings, Mike, so they have tendencies. Some of them like to be in primetime on TV a little bit more. That's just the way they are. Wired, uh, that's the way it goes. Okay, as Mike Lowey says, a couple of them just like to make the game about them. Okay, uh, we've talked about this number dropping on the total tonight with New Orleans at Arizona, 43-and-a-half full game. You're going to go first half on the under tonight, Mike.
5: Yeah, I like the under in the first half. A lot of being made about how you've seen Arizona really struggle in the first half. Uh, three points in the first quarter, 29 overall in the first half. So far, six games into the year. No one's really talking about New Orleans, uh, who's only scored seven points in four of the six first halves. Uh, so they also struggle here in the first half. Additionally, we're not really sure who's going to be starting a quarterback yet tonight. You've got multiple back injuries for both Dalton and for Winston. So that's a little bit of an issue for me as well. I just don't like this arizona offense at all during the first half i think that you know you got hopkins coming back which should help them but they're losing marquise brown so that that's a downgrade there it's one of those spots where i'm not that worried that anyone's going to put up points in the first half i don't really like either side in this spot i lean toward the three with new orleans but it's tough to trust them right now and it's tough to trust this this cardinals team at home i do think i'm going to watch this for an in-game perspective as well so i'll take that first half under um, and then i'll look at in-game i'll look to see if if Specifically, New Orleans gets up early. I am interested in Arizona trying to come back and make it close later in the game. Cliff Kingsbury really struggling when he's scripting plays. But when Kyler starts to play backyard football, they seem to move it. And I think that will also help having Nuke back in the lineup for Kyler. So if Arizona gets down, I'm interested in playing them plus the points uh, in game as well.
4: And add the layer, too, that Thursday night, you know, Thursday, they're playing Thursday. The New Orleans defense had to play a lot of plays last week against Cincinnati, chase chase all over the field. To me, there's going to be a, a sense of, because their depth is really challenged because of all the injuries, there's going to be a, 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 an element of exhaustion in that fourth quarter. If this game's close, like you're mentioning, you know, it is going to favor Arizona to come back because they should be the fresher team. I know they were in Seattle. They had to travel home. But to me, they're not chasing. They're not chasing Simmons around.
5: Yeah, they should definitely. Be I mean, fresher ch- Murray on the around.
4: Side. I'm sorry, I, I don't know where I got. Simmons. They're not chasing Murray around. I'm sorry.
5: They should definitely be be fresher on the defensive side of the football. You're missing Lattimore on, on New Orleans as well, which again should help out Hopkins. Uh, his total, I think you mentioned Patrick. The last segment was 61 and a half. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets 12 to 15 targets tonight. Um, it's one of those where the, the, you know the over is juice because it's a primetime game and a major player. But I would still tend to lean over for it. Um, I think Ertz might have a, a decent game as well. I looked at Ertz anytime touchdown for the Cardinals as well. That one might be one I'm interested in playing in-game if you're able to get that type of market. Because I don't think they put up a ton of points early. But if they're playing comeback mode and they're scrambling late, I think, I think Ertz has a shot at getting a late touchdown.
3: Great point on the Cardinals because if you think about what happened, Michael, with Vegas where Kingsbury threw out the script and Murray just made everything happen in that second half and fourth quarter, last week in Seattle, that game was nip and tuck the whole entire way. Murray seemed disinterested, and they were married yeah. to Kingsbury's script. So uh, that's it's a good point. And there, he kept right,
4: turning down points. I mean, if he takes the six, if he takes the nine points, you know, it's it's what a nineteen eighteen game. I mean, you know, like he's right there in the game. All he's got to do is make a play here, and make a play. Of course, he turns it over too. They're going to drive, and he doesn't have the ball in two. You know, he's carrying the ball loosely. I mean, for all we want to. Kingsbury kind of has become the deodorant for all the sins of Murray. Murray's is playing just as bad as Kingsbury's calling the game.
3: There you go. The Seahawks have been that team or one of those teams at three and three. They're tied for first in that brutal division, which is classic. They're at the Chargers. You got six. I'm seeing mostly five and a half on the board here.
5: Yeah, I'd still take it at five and a half if I can get it there. Um, I, I would... I would like the six more obviously key number but the five and a half works as well to me this is a situation where you're getting a team which yes has been upgraded but I still think is undervalued in the market a little bit. Uh, I like the fact that I think I have actually the better offense here which is wild to say and you have a defense that held Arizona to just nine points last week they seem to be improving a little bit but to me the key here is that you have the Chargers offensive line which is just being decimated by injuries they were onto their third center at one point on Monday night's game they're a top tackle is out already. So they're they're facing a bunch of injuries on that offensive line. That's not getting any better with a short week here. They played Monday night. They're coming back on Sunday. And look, the Chargers have struggles at home anyway from a a crowd perspective. This is going to basically be a home game for Seattle. Seattle has a ton of fans in Los Angeles. I lived there for 10 years. Patrick, I know you're there. You cannot help running to Seahawks fans when you're there. This is an Mm -hmm. easier ticket to get than the Rams ticket as well. So you're going to see a ton of Seahawks fans in that stadium. You're going to have a home field advantage for Seattle. You get the better offense, and you have an offensive line absolutely decimated on the Chargers side. So give me the, the, the either the 5.5 or the 6 with Seattle.
4: I, I love it. I, I, I mean, look, Seattle, if they can play any – the way Geno Smith's playing, and, and let's face it, I mean, J.C. Jackson got benched last week. This secondary for the Chargers isn't exactly lights out now. I mean, there were throws that they blew coverages. There's throws Wilson. I mean, if they block them up front with those two rookie tackles, I, I think Seattle will move the ball on them.
5: It's amazing how highly rated Geno Smith is this late into the year. And at some point, I mean, we took him last week, two and a half, right here in the same segment. They're still not getting respect for where he is from a PFF perspective, from a QBR perspective. The top five quarterback in the NFL in both those stats right now. It's wild to say about Geno Smith, but you just have to believe it at some point because he's playing that well and the, and the tape backs it up. No doubt. At 32, he is all of a sudden
3: proving that first-round draft pick maybe to be credible. Okay, Mike Samich, RacingDudes.com. Good luck tonight. Again, you're going to go under that 21 in the first half. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. Great job.
3: Appreciate it. Okay, coming up next, we got Mike Palm with the pressing three. Included in the pressing three, Bailey Zappi. And Kyle Shanahan drama. Yes, those two will make sense oh. when we get to it. Plus, Sean Payton potentially landing here in Los Angeles. The Palms pressing three coming up next. Plus, when he gives a pick, you got to listen because he's red hot right now.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Well, as Michael and I were discussing earlier, there's nobody hotter on the planet right now than Mike Palm. The dude can't miss. He's like Jordan in the zone. The only way you get Mike Palm's picks is if you become a VEASAN pro. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's 99 bucks through the Super Bowl. You get everything we offer. Pro tools, pro picks at a glance, pro tips. It's all there. Mike Palm's picks. Make sure you check it out. Also, exclusive articles from Michael Lombardi. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. VEASAN pros are making cash. Get involved. VEASAN.com. Slash pro. Okay, we're back, Michael Lombardi. It is Thursday. We've got a half hour with Mike Palm. I'm looking at Palm's pressing three, which are coming up Uh-oh. in about 12 minutes. It's the juiciest and most dramatic three we've seen, uh-huh. so I hope you're ready for uh-huh. that, Michael Lombardi. I don't know. I don't to look at him.
4: I I don't want to look at him until he hits me with him. Hello, Mike Palm.
2: Uh, good morning. It's uh, great to have you back, Michael. I understand last Thursday you started your book tour on your new book on FDR. Can't wait. Can't, can't <laughs> wait to hear it. A very... Complex figure. I mean, you, you'll delve into all those secrets never before uh, revealed. Why wasn't de Gaulle yeah. at Yalta? I mean, I know you'll get into it. FDR, though, what a great subject that you're. I, I rank him up there with Pontius Pilot as one of the most misunderstood <laughs> people in history. People don't understand the pressure Pilot was under. You know, the aqueducts were behind schedule and over budget. He was in an Owen situation.
4: And I also got Eleanor to talk about, too, in the book. So if I get bored with Franklin, I can go right to Eleanor. There's a lot of meat there on that bone, she, Mike. She actually
2: yeah. was the first female president of the United States. Of course, Hillary <laughs> being the second. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> of course, Football Done Right is the book, the forthcoming book, Michael Lombardi. Uh, Mike Palm, I think we you didn't bury the lead because, of course, you got to get the shot to Michael Lombardi. But let's talk about the run you've been on. Um, not just against the pros and in Circa Invitational, but you're Mr. Minnesota. You were the only one I know on the Vikings. You can't miss right now.
2: Well, I feel fortunate. I know Michael went out there on, on a limb, and he went with Miami going against me. Uh, but think uh, about this. You, you, we all watched the game. Minnesota didn't have a first down with six minutes left in the first half. I mean, so <laughs> the, the, the fact that they were still in the game, they are only down three points or whatever, that's a minor miracle. My play was really based on Skylar Thompson. He gets knocked out of the game. So my handicap was, I, I never liked Skylar Thompson at Kansas State. But uh, anyhow, they got there, like Michael said, they made enough plays to win the game, uh, the Vikings. 21-8-1 and one now uh, through the first six weeks of the Circuit Invitational. A two-and-a-half game lead on Chuck Edel, who you can hear on this network every Friday morning uh, with Mitch and Paul on Follow the Money. Uh, a three-game lead on former v host and contributor James Salinas. Uh, and a three-and-a-half game lead on our buddy the Bear. <clears throat>
4: I love it. I love it, Mike. You know what I want to know from you is you're so busy. You're doing all these things at Circa. You're running there. What's your process? Like I see and I admire this, that you span into the college globe as well and you don't strictly just stay on the pro. What's your process in terms of picking the games? One of the things I feel like I make the the biggest mistake is what games do I pick to promote and put out there? I would love to know how you go about
2: that. I actually lean more college, Michael, because I think the pro number is it's so liquid and so sharp that it's, it's tough to beat. Because remember, this isn't one of these where we put out the number on Thursday and you pick on Saturday afternoon. We have to use the current circle lines uh, when we go on with Matt Eumanns. And I go on at 1030 Pacific every Friday night. Usually I'm at home through Skype and give my plays. And he has four or five guys in the contest each week actually in studio with him or on the phone with him. And then he goes through everybody's picks. Look, Michael, I make my own number like you do. You know, you have your 2.57, and you know, obviously it wouldn't be a play tonight at two and a half. I try to make my own number. Um, I feel this like, I think I've won three times with Tennessee in college this year already. And I just, I don't I don't even still think that, that the public has caught up to how good this team is. I see a look ahead line against Georgia. They're getting 11 and a half. I think that's ludicrous. Uh, the game I lost this week, I lost by a half point. I would have actually pushed to the, the closing line was the Illinois total against Minnesota. And I thought DeVito wasn't going to be playing. That was the talk. The Illinois quarterback, that's why I played the game under. He plays. He played terrific. They win easily as a six-and-a-half-point dog, and it goes over the number on Friday by half a point, pushes the closing number. The pros, I tell you what helps me with the pros. So they have me doing the, the, the NFL Sunday Pro Game podcast with Danny Burke here. Uh, and I, I tape it at noon today, my time, just a little bit after I get off with you guys. And talking through every game with Danny actually helps me land on one or two pro plays uh, each week. So that, that's contributed to my success, which usually on an average week, I'm picking three college and two pros. Um, maybe it's three two the other way or four one college. But that's sort of my breakdown.
3: And you can find those podcasts along with GM Shuffle, VEASAN.com, of course, the NFL podcast, the college football podcast, Michael Lombardi's GM Shuffle over at VEASAN.com. Do you get like for consistent betters? It's one of two things. One, when you're you on a losing streak, sometimes it's kitchen sink. You don't care. You're just throwing cash trying to catch up. But oftentimes when you get on a winning streak like you are, some betters tighten up. Are you seeing the number? Is it jumping out at you, or do you start to tighten up a little bit here?
2: No, I, I don't. I actually press when I'm when I'm on a good roll, and when I'm when when I'm struggling, I I decrease the size of the bets. Right, I I go down because I don't want to give it away during those those runs. It's a lot about money yeah. management. But once, you know, once you can get up hundred k or whatever in a certain run, then you can really start pressing. To me, I I manage the money like this. I'll start out with five hundred or a thousand. When you can get that number up to about 20, that's when you can really start hitting the accelerator on it. And then when I get to 100, take 80 out and start over, right? So you're never losing more right. than the 20 back, and you get back to those base $500 and $1,000 bets. When you're up 100, then the base sort of becomes like 3000 Right, And then and, and a lot of this is soccer, too. You have to understand that. By the way, no goal in the first 24 at the Emirates today. People don't realize this no goal in the first so many minutes. Michael, I'm serious about this now. This could be your it. pro tip. You know, a major injury or a drone or something like that, that doesn't stop the clock in soccer. You might have a drone three minutes in. You cash your no goal in the first 26. I mean, they delay the game for an hour. This is now a reality in soccer
4: it's it's amazing how you uh, that that's what mar- I marvel at I, I really do I marvel at your ability to span the globe soccer college for me I'm just focused on those 14 to 16 games every Sunday and I'm sh- I struggle to to do that at times and you know sometimes you get a bad break but but for the most part, I, I have a hard time figuring all the data out on just those 14 games other than all these other games.
2: You know what else I try to do, Michael? And this is from a betting perspective with the contest plays. I try to pick one game in each window. So one game in the 9 a.m. Pacific window on Saturday 1 yeah. in the 12.31 in the evening. And then split up the play between the 10 a.m. and the 1.30 p.m. Because that game, I bet, I want to pay attention for in-game opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's hard in the NFL, a little better now that buys come in, but you got eight, nine games going in that 1 p.m. Eastern window. How can you possibly watch all of them? You can maybe watch two or three, but I tend to want to focus on one or two. Right. I I, I like that. I think sometimes
4: when you do that, I think when you do that, when you have too many games going on, you don't even understand if you win the bet or lost the bet. You don't even understand it.
2: Absolutely.
3: Pro tip right there, and a professional better taught me this really early on. If you are in-game betting, if you're live betting, focus on one game. (laughs) Hopefully a game that you can watch, but Mike Palm, you can spread yourself out too thin. You can get in trouble really quick if you're live betting across the board because you're not focusing
2: on those games you don't have a feel for it you don't even you miss the injury you miss what's happening with the Correct. game you you don't you might not know what is the reason they punted is the reason they punted that they're they're ineffective running the ball or is it because they got a yep. offensive holding penalty what what's the reason that they do or don't have the points that they have at that point in the game yep got to have a feel for it 100%.
3: Uh, speaking of a feel, does it feel right tonight where we're sitting? You're 2.5 at circa,
2: 43.5 on the total. Does that number with New Orleans-Arizona lane feel right to you? Yeah, I, I kind of I made this game three, so we're kind of getting there. That early money came in on New Orleans. It went down to 1.5. Uh, you could have got in on 1.5. I think most places will end up three. I think both quarterbacks for the Saints are banged up a little bit. I'm with Michael. They're, they were much more pressed in that game against Cincinnati and and on the short week, come out of it in worse shape than the Cardinals do. The Cardinals are baffling. Uh, This team just doesn't really have any answers where to go with the ball. And it's an interesting debate of who's more responsible. Is it Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury? What did the Bidwell family see in Cliff Kingsbury in six years in Lubbock? His best finish in six years in Lubbock was tied for fifth. I, what 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 do you get out of that? Say, this guy would be a great pro coach. It's like Otani. Well, he's pitching and yeah. he's hitting. They're 20 games below 500. The, the name yeah. of the game in the team sport is winning.
4: Yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I mean, look, and, and the one thing you know for sure, you know, this is work work backwards, right? You know in the National Football League that defense, as much as we talk about how great offensive and the greatest defense wins, and Cliff never had a good defense ever ever at Texas Tech. Like, he's never been able to incorporate a great defense within the system of offense that he's run. So, like, why would you do that? Because you're a fan and you're hiring like a fan. That's ultimately the only way you can explain what the pinball family did. They they think like fans. They don't
2: think like executives. They're not thinking it through with their decision-making. And even if he's not coaching the defensive side of the ball, how does he hire coordinators, or how does he, as an offensive coach, learn to play, as you call it, Michael, complementary football?
4: He, he they don't none of, that that's a lost art in the nfl really that's the, that's what's happened is and brian dayball's winning games playing complimentary football but nobody wants to talk about it. they think he's got some magical formula he's just being smart he's not doing things he can't
3: do it's not complicated also at tech at tech kingsbury's teams got worse and worse every year his best year was his first year at tech with tomber i think it was Tupperville's recruits next you wait for it palms pressing three it's dramatic this week it's next
2: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks. So you know how it works. You go to BetMGM.com or download the app. You place a bet. You get points. You can use those points for free bets, also for travel, dining, shows, anything you want. It's an awesome loyalty program over at BetMGM king of sports books 21 years or older if you have a gambling problem it's 1-800-GAMBLER okay Michael Lombardi there I'm Patrick Maher of course Mike Palm Thursdays here on the Lombardi line live from Circus Sports it, here's what we have a I guess you could call it like a Bermuda triangle of uh drama with number three on your list so definitely save that one for last uh, Zappy, Shanahan and Jones I'll just tease you But, Mike, you can start with Palms pressing three and number one. Go for
2: it. Hence why I put it third, Patrick. All right, let's start out with uh, number one, Michael. There's been an epidemic this year in the NFL of delay of game penalties that either aren't called or are being called two seconds or three seconds after the play clock hits zero. Why don't defensive coordinators coach their linemen to come across the neutral zone as soon as the play clock hits zero? putting the onus on the officials to make the delay of game call or at the very least getting a jump on the snap?
4: Well, I think part of the problem is defensive linemen are looking at the ball. You're teaching them to look at the football. Now you're teaching them to look at the play clock. You can't teach them to do both, right? So uh, we are on delay. The game is live and the delay is – I don't know what the delay is at the game. I do think that they are – they've said that they want to make it to where it gets to double zeros. We should, as TV audience, have the double zeros clock too because it's only making the officials look bad. But to think that the defensive line is going to be able to look at the 45-second clock and then come down and look at at the ball and snap, they're going to get called for a penalty. So I I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that'll work. I do think there's too many times, especially after a touchdown, where they start that 25-second clock too fast. We've seen it happen on too many two-point conversions, and I think that they're not allowing people to understand when they started the clock. And you see the coaches always on the sideline putting their head up like they want to reset the 25 when sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I do think that has to get cleaned up. And I think it starts with having the same clock on television that we see at the game.
3: Are you satisfied with the answer, Mike
2: Paul? Well, it's a very strong answer. I, I In my mind, I think the safety, although if there's motion, some of these teams don't use any motion. But the, the safety is the one that could look at the, the the game clock. I understand your concern with what they're trained to do and what their focus is. All right, let's go to number two. Michael, there have been rumbling this week that Sean Payton would be interested in the Chargers' job if it became available. But don't the Saints still own the rights to Sean Payton? Does he have yeah. full autonomy on where he goes when he comes back? How does this work?
4: I don't think he does. So first of all, he just can't leave his contract and then go out. Like I don't think he. I think he has to go through an entire calendar year. And then I still think there's going to have to be some restitution paid to New Orleans. It won't be as dramatic as if he left a year and comes back. But I do think you're going to have to go through Mark, Mark, Mickey Loomis because unless his contract reads that he is a free agent one year after he leaves the game, then it's all bets are off. I don't know if Don Yee put that in the contract. Don Yee also represents Sean Payton. But I would think living in Los Angeles, watching Justin Herbert and seeing how this Charger team kind of underachieves, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, worked for him in New Orleans, so he kind of knows what's going on there. This team should be better than it is. For whatever reason, it always seems to fall flat. They blame it on home field advantage, all that. I'm not buying that. I think some of the decision-making by the head coach and some of the ways that they put this team together don't always go hand in hand, so... I do think there's going to be some restitution back to New Orleans. I'm not sure it's going to be a high draft pick because he sat out a full
2: year. Do you, I th- guys
3: think, do, you do you guys think Peyton's coaching somewhere next year, Paul?
2: I do. I, I think he's too good, and he, he, he if he can, will create an opportunity where he's got talent like the Chargers do to step in there and make an immediate difference. Michael, I thought it spoke volumes on Monday night about the end of the third quarter, and I'll take you to the end of the first quarter in the, the Cowboys-Eagles game, I thought the key play of the game was where they rushed up like they were going to snap the ball on fourth and one, or fourth and, uh, fourth and four, and get the offsides. I mean, even the dumb college teams know to do that, yet at the end of the third quarter Monday night, neither Herbert uh, or Staley could figure out to do that to the Broncos, then they go on fourth down and get stopped right away to start the fourth quarter.
4: I, I, and you know, and like, I don't understand it. If once you have a break in the action, what bothered me was when the, we we then come back out, people are ready for fourth down. Yeah. Like, I don't know what more we have to convince teams about fourth down. Like, you, you play Jacksonville this week, right? Like, you're going to spend Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on fourth downs. You're going to spend th- because he's going to go for it, and and he never looks at his success ratio. What is his success? You know, is he he's he's like 35% on fourth down. Well, let me ask you, Mike Palm, if you're 35% on fourth down and you have a 40-yard field goal, what's the odds of making the field goal? Could, be, could get the fourth down. Yeah, why don't we have? Mm-hmm. Why don't we have on TV the odds of converting fourth down based on the pre- present day and based the field goal based on the present day? What's that like? We used to do it when I was in the league. It used to be all right. 52-yarders. 50%, we make it, we go for it on fourth and two, it's 70, 68%, okay, let's go for it. That, that was the kind of the balance. Now it's just go for it, and we've neglected everything.
2: Well, you know, and, and, and the Cowboys rush to the line and go for fourth down, and when they're down 14, I, you know, that didn't even need to be. I don't even know if they had the right play call in. They, they, I thought they thought they had a first down. It didn't even look they, like. They thought they did. Yeah, right. They
4: thought they had a first <laughs> down. They, they thought they had a first, and they gave away three points there, and that three points ultimately <laughs> came back to yeah. haunt them. But 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 part of it is too is is the official at the top of the screen the woman there she had it marked somewhere else the guy at the bottom over by the eagle bench had it somewhere else so the person where the cowboy bench was made them think they had the first down when they finally got there that's when you got to say wait a minute hold on I'll call time out here mm-hmm. I got to get this clarified and there should have at least been a measurement and there should have been a review why not at least review that
2: mm-hmm. yeah well McCarthy okay. McCarthy went too quick there. All right, let's get. We got to gotta get to three. Three, get to the, is the, yeah, let, my, three is my favorite.
3: Three is my favorite of the batch this year let, so far. Go let's, for let's, it, Mike. of
2: the of the year. Even better than Pritch's last week. Anyhow, okay. Here's the entree, <laughs> Michael. If Bailey Zappi continues to play well in New England, is there Uh-oh. any chance that Kyle Shanahan can make things right and get Mac Jones, the quarterback he always wanted to draft?
4: I think he could. I, I mean, I think ultimately. What we've seen out of Bailey Zappi is that he's done exactly what they've asked him to do. He's played within the confines of the offense. Whereas Mac Jones was complaining about the coordinator, you know, I'm throwing interceptions because they're 50-50 balls. Bailey Zappi's throwing 50-50 balls. They're not interceptions. You can't have two quarterbacks, right? Now, the beautiful thing for New England is they have two quarterbacks that are cheap. They have Mac Jones who's on a rookie contract. They have Bailey Zappi on a rookie contract. On a a fourth-round rookie contract, so and and he's going to have fifty or sixty million dollars in free agency next year to spend. So he's got cheap quarterbacks to build his team. Do I think they have to? I would. Do I think the people in San Francisco are going to admit that Trey Lance can't play? No, no, I don't think they're willing to do that. I think there's still people out there that thinks Trey Lance could be an MVP candidate. There really are, as bad as that is. There really are. So. I think it's hard. I think Lynch and Peters, along with ever those analytical people that buy into Trey Lance, still think there's hope. There's no hope. I think poor Mike March took a beating this summer for what he said about Trey Lance and Justin Fields
3: when he's going to be proven completely correct. Here's the question. If Mac Jones ends up with Shanahan, can we all get? Can I get paid on my ticket that had Jones going to San Francisco? Should happen anyway. I mean, it should, have happened. it should happen.
4: Well, anyway. Well, here's the, I, here's the thing. I here's the thing. I here's the thing. I would like all these people that say you can't take Mac Jones at three. How can you take Trey Lance at three and Lamar Jackson went thirty-two? How can you do that? How can you make that statement that Trey Lance is worthy of the third pick? Didn't play a senior year, but one game. Never never dominated the conference. Lamar Jackson's All-ACC, winning games, almost beaten Clemson, Heisman Trophy, did everything he could do as a human being. And yet he's sitting in the green room for 31 picks. Meanwhile, you've got to take Trey Lance at three. Oh, my God, if you don't get Trey Lance, it's going to be all. Minnesota didn't even offer him a scholarship as a quarterback.
3: Well done, Mike. See what that was? You just got his blood pressure boiling. That's exactly it's a joke. What the pressing three it's is a about.
4: comedy. It's these. It's the comedy out there because we have so many people that have no information, spreading bad information out there, and it's ridiculous because they won't evaluate. They have a predetermined. Oh, Trey Lance is great. You got to pick him third. No, you don't. <laughs> the guy's a running back.
2: Patrick, I'd like, to make, I'd like to make one brief point here before you start to wrap it up. You know, I'm not big in the NFL into these official trends like Hockley and the underdogs because there's no causal connection to it unless you think Hockley wants to keep the games close for TV ratings. But you saw Ron Torbert, who has the strongest <laughs> tendency to unders on Monday night. You know why that is? It's because he and the umpire on that crew call a lot of offensive holding penalties, which directly relates drives. to unders. Kills drives.
4: Mm-hmm. The, nothing kills a drive more. Garrett Bowles being the main culprit holding penalties you want to drive killed get a hold call
3: just wait one beat two beats I promise he'll rant again let him go but Michael you're not you're not done are no, you no, I'm okay done. quick I'm done. I'm quick, done. quick quick two and a half 43 and a half either of you have a play tonight I like the under no I
4: have I, I I'll i go with Mike and the under I'm not playing this I'm not playing this ever you can have the mayor. I think we should watch the Wizard of Oz at halftime
3: oh follow 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 <laughs> Follow the yellow brick road. Thank you, boys. We'll see you Thanks, tomorrow. Guys. Thank, Thank you. you, Mike Pop, Big you're the best. Is next.